Alleluia. Christ is risen. Several years ago, while I was still in seminary, one of the things I was able to do was travel with the choir on a choir tour. And one of those tours took us into the American Southwest, and as part of, as part of our tour through that area, it was decided that we would stop to see the Grand Canyon. On the day that was scheduled to go to the Grand Canyon, as we were traveling by bus out to the point where we could see uh, nature's beauty, the choir director asked all of us who had never been there to raise our hands. After doing so, he divided us into two groups, those who had seen the Grand Canyon before and those who had not. And then he instructed those of us who had never been to the Grand Canyon before to either put on blindfolds that he had provided or to keep our eyes closed until he told us to open them. And then what is perhaps the greatest trust exercise I've ever engaged in, he had other students who had already been there lead us right up to the rim of the Grand Canyon with our eyes closed or covered. And once he had us in place, he said, now open your eyes. And there before us was the magnificence of the Grand Canyon. And he said the reason he did this is because there are some things in the world that you shouldn't sneak up on. That instead of having it revealed to you bit by bit, you just need to stand on the edge and take it all in and be overwhelmed by its glory all at once. It was a moving experience. And it was that moment of standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon, opening my eyes and seeing it for the very first time, that played through my mind over and over again as I read our reading from Revelation chapter 21 today. John plays the role of being our tour guide, and he doesn't want us to sneak up on what God has in store for his people. Instead, he tells us the long journey has come to an end. Open your eyes and see what God has designed in all of its magnificence for you, his people. He wants us to take it in all at once so that we can live the full impact of what God has designed for his future, so that we can be overwhelmed by the magnitude and the majesty of what God has in store. He doesn't want us to see it bit by bit, but all at once. So the splendor of what God has done can take our breath away. It's for this reason that Revelation 21 is my favorite passage in Scripture. It's one of the most beautiful moments in all of the Bible because page after page, God has laid out for you the story of salvation. We've heard the story of God sending prophets, apostles, his son, all to call the world to repentance, to give them forgiveness, to prepare them for this moment, the moment in Revelation 21 when we are able to see what God has planned for his people, what he has planned for those who have received the forgiveness that was given by his son. 
just like a long drive through the desert, finally takes you to the majesty of the Grand Canyon. John has driven us through what is to come, and now we are here. He takes off our blinders, and he shows the true magnificence of the world that is to come, the life that awaits those who are going to dwell with God and see him face to face. It's true, it took us a while to get here. It was not just the recounting of history from God's people in creation until now, but we also had to make our way through the book of Revelation itself. For many reasons, the book of Revelation is challenging to read. If you're reading along with a faithfully devoted reading plan that's guiding us through the New Testament, you know that this week, Revelation begins. We have started to make our way through this final book of the New Testament, and this can cause apprehension worry about what we are going to find in the pages of the final book of the Bible. Because it's true, there's much that is hard to understand, images and proclamations that can be unsettling or terrifying to read, but all of those are there for a purpose. And it's to get us to this moment when we can see what God is going to do for you. This revelation and it is only one revelation, because it is one long event, is given to John at the end of his life. This revelation was delivered to John by an angel sent by God so that John could see the church and know how to tell the church what is to come, what is going to take place as we wait for Christ's return. And as Revelation unfolds, we've heard warnings sent to churches who've rejected God's word and chased after false teachings. We've heard of beasts and seals and plagues and judgments and coronations and seen all kinds of amazing things. And these amazing things would be terrifying to us because they are warnings of what happens when you do not seriously take sin in your life and you dismiss the call to repentance that God makes to his people. These chapters are a reminder of what happens when you choose to reject God, reject your faith, and ignore the grace that comes only from Him. By the time we get to chapter 21, the one we heard this morning, the Apostle John, the one that Jesus loved, has led us on an exhausting journey as we wait for Christ's return. And by now, you're despot for respite, grasping for consolation looking for assurance that all things are in God's control and he will protect you in spite of what is to come. And it's right at that moment that John gives us exactly what we need. He tells us that after the trials and tribulations of this world, everything that Satan can throw our way and all that we can suffer, it is then that the new heaven and the new earth will emerge and the new Jerusalem will come down from heaven like a bride adorned for her husband. She will have the glory of God. She will be as radiant as the most precious jewel. She'll be surrounded by a high wall, a wall that has 12 gates, three on each side of the city, adorned with jewels and glass and gold. When John goes on to describe the city, beautiful beyond our comprehension, we know that what we see in this world pales for what waits for us in the world to come. And it's when he reveals this city, takes the blinders off, and shows you the splendor of what God has in store, 
that we can finally have comfort and peace because it is for this that we have been longing. Over and over again throughout Scripture, we've been given a glimpse of this moment. But now, it is finally here. And I think it's appropriate that when John describes the vision of New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, he uses a wedding to draw us into that moment because that is an event all of us can picture. One of the special blessings of being a pastor is that at a wedding, you get the best seat in the room. You get to stand right there in front of the altar, elevated above everyone else, and watch everything that is happening before you. I have an unobstructed view of not only the wedding party, but the people gathered for this ceremony. And each wedding begins the same. When the music starts to play, everybody turns and watches patiently as the bridesmaids make their way down the aisle, each one adorned and dressed beautifully as they could for that day. We all know they are just a glimpse of what is to come, a prelude to the main event that everyone is waiting for. That moment when the maid of honor makes her way down the aisle, the glass doors are closed, and you catch the first glimpse of a bride walking across the back to take her position to ready herself to come down the aisle. And it's then that after she is in place and everyone is ready, the, the order to stand comes, the doors are opened, and you can hear the whole place breathe together. She has arrived. The moment has come. And you can see the bride arrayed in all her splendor, filled with anticipation for the walk down the aisle as she comes for the groom waiting for her to arrive. It's that kind of moment John captures for us this morning. All of creation waits for this moment in Revelation 21 when the bride of Christ, the new Jerusalem, arrives. The church comes into its full splendor and glory and presented to him so they can live for all eternity. She is arrayed in Christ's glory under his care and his protection. She is living with her Savior who's been waiting for this moment when their union has come. So we see her here arrayed in glory, protected by a high wall, reminding us that she will live under his protection, defended from attacks of her enemies without fears of temptation or sin or turmoil or death because God has defeated all of those and no one can destroy her any longer. The bride of Christ is presented to Christ so that what Jesus proclaims in the gospel today comes true. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The bride of Christ is surrounded by God's protection and will be constantly reminded that God has done as he promised. and He has overcome the troubles of the world. And yet those high walls, the protection that God provides, they don't keep people out. There are 12 gates flung open to allow abundant access to all those who believe, all those who have received his forgiveness, so that all God has called to be his own can dwell there with him forever. What an amazing moment, an amazing sight, as John takes the blindfold away and says this, is what God has planned for you.
And then he goes on to say that more than just being a sight of beauty, life in this city far exceeds what you could ever imagine. There's no temple in the city because you don't need a priest to intermediate between you and God. You don't need to come to just one place for God to deliver his gifts to you. No, in this city, the city of God, God dwells with his people, dwells with you in such a way that he wipes away the tears from your eyes and promises there will be no more death. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain. All of those have passed away. Because those who live in the city of God have had their names written in the book of life, given to them in the waters of baptism, so they can dwell there forever. In other words, those who dwell there with them, with him, are already those that he has washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. And this is what ultimately gives comfort and peace with the arrival of the new Jerusalem. That all that she has to offer, the radiance, the splendor, the holiness, the protection of God, all of this is given to you by God. Not because of what you have done, but because what God has done for you. Because he has called you by name and given you the life that Christ wins on the cross and his victory over the grave, he has given it to you. He says, you are holy, righteous, forgiven, saved, an inheritor of eternal life. This is for you. And in the new Jerusalem, all this remains true. No one has earned their spot there. It's given to you because God has loved you and written your name in his book of life. So he calls you to dwell in this city with him, to live in the midst of his holy people, so he can do as he has promised, wipe away the tears from your eyes, and assure you that even as you face tribulation in this world, take heart, he has already overcome it. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen.